Jeez. Okay, well, that audio glitch will not be going away anytime soon. I mean, I tried I tried to take it out of the last show, but uh, it wouldn't come out. So it's not going to come out of this show. I'm not sure if it's going to come out of any show. It might just be here forever. Like forever and ever. So you guys have fun with that. And have fun dealing with C's in every episode. But, uh, you know, if it's there, it's there. And if it's not there, it's not there. I'm going to do my best to take it out. But it might it might just end up being there forever. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to do some Thanksgiving stuff. Because Thanksgiving was last week. It's supposed to be a super fun time. It's supposed to be like... Hey, there's this holiday, and you get some time off of school, you get to do all this fun stuff with your family, and you can just have fun. But then you also get reminded that finals are literally a week and a half away, and there's just all this stuff. Thanksgiving's a complicated time for a college student, but I kind of just wanted to give my Thanksgiving in review, is what we'll call it. What happened over my Thanksgiving... You can compare your Thanksgiving to my Thanksgiving and say, hey, this guy's Thanksgiving was complete ass, or... This guy's Thanksgiving was so much better than mine. I wish I was him. I wish everything about me was this guy. So, you know, we'll see. I'm, I want to have some fun with it because I did have, I had a fun week. I had a nice few days home. I got to see, you know, family and friends that I hadn't seen for a while. And I don't know. It was just, it was fun to be back. It was fun to have some, you know, Southeast Michigan shenanigans going on. But so that's going to be the start. It's just basically going to be how my week went, how my Thanksgiving went. What happened, what didn't happen, and a couple of, I'll call them fun stories, some funny stories, and some stories that you're glad you weren't a part of, stuff you didn't have to deal with. And then there's two, after that, there's two main things that I want to go into. Uh, the first one is Michigan beating Ohio State. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they ruined my Saturday by doing that, but they did. But they did it, and it's worth it to talk about because, I mean, it's, it's big news. That is big news. They haven't done that in a long time, in a game that mattered. And not the fact that they did it, you know, the way that they did it, too. This wasn't a fluke play or, you know, a kick or just something wild that happened for Michigan to beat Ohio State. They did it in the snow, and they did it handily. There wasn't a minute where Michigan wasn't really in control of that game. There wasn't any doubt in my mind after the first half that Michigan was going to win. I was really, I was honestly, I was surprised and, you know, kudos to, kudos to Ann Arbor. Actually, no, not kudos to Ann Arbor. I hate Ann Arbor. Kudos to the university. No, I hate Michigan. I, I can't, this is painful. Okay. This is painful. I don't know how to congratulate Michigan because I hate everything Michigan, but like, I mean, good job. You're in the Big Ten Championship now. Welcome to the club, I guess. <laughs> You've entered the club of teams to go to the Big Ten Championship. So, welcome. Northwestern got there before you did. <laughs> then, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to be, I have to be civilized about this. This is, this is supposed to be the bridge of amateurism and professionalism for me. This is supposed to be where I start to become professional about what I want to do with my career. But anyways, okay. Michigan gets the Big Ten Championship. They beat Ohio State by a million. And I'm just, I was very surprised. And there's just a couple of things that I want to talk about with that. And what can happen? Can they beat Iowa? The playoff? What, how do I feel about it? You already kind of know how I feel about it. But I just want to talk Michigan-Ohio State because that was a big, that was a big deal. I mean, really it was. 
And anyone in Ann Arbor and anyone in the surrounding areas and everyone that wears Michigan gear at Sears and never went to U of M and complains about Michigan State, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are happy and it's big news around Southeast Michigan and it deserves at least some words on my end. So we'll talk about Michigan, Ohio State. And then the other thing that I want to talk about is this Javier Baez thing going on in Detroit. And, and honestly, I just want to say... From the bottom of my heart, screw the Detroit Tigers. I mean, seriously, screw them. Giving baseball news in the middle of football season? Really? You're going to make me stop talking about football in the heart of the college football and in the heart of the NFL schedule to talk baseball? Really? You're going to do that to me. So that stupid organization is going to make me talk baseball On December 1st, happy birthday, Javier Baez. Oh, man. They're going to make me talk baseball on December 1st. And, you know, that's going to be it. I'm going to close it out. I'm going to close it out with the Javier Baez thing. And what I think about the signing, what I think about the contract. Is it good? Is it bad? Do I like it? Do I hate it? So that's kind of, that's pretty much the agenda for today. I don't plan on doing another hour and a half. To be honest, honestly, I don't even have time to do another hour and a half show. I'm I'm a very busy person. I'm very busy. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that expect a lot of things out of me. So so we're just gonna start with thanks. <laughs> we're just gonna start with Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving in review. And I gotta be honest, I ha- I had a very nice holiday. I hope I hope you guys did too. Or you know, if you celebrate Michigan State beating Penn State, or every Friday is a different holiday. Whatever you if you celebrate. Thanksgiving. I hope it was very nice. Or if you celebrate Thursdays during the week, I hope you had a very nice Thursday. And, and I was, it was very nice. It was good to go back, see some family. You know, there was some family. It was just good to see family. I, I gotta be honest. I haven't seen blood family in a while, a group of blood family. You know, I'd seen a couple people. You know, my dad came up, uh, you know, in the beginning of November. I got to see my parents midway through November when I was when I was in Iowa. They were I've gotten to see some family, but this was the first time since I left in in August where I got to come back and I got to see a lot of family. I guess September actually. I went back first week of September for a surprise birthday party, but but it was just good to go back and see family. And I think that's an, a really important thing about college and when you're this far away, when you're almost a thousand miles away. Your 14 and a half hour drive from pretty much every family member that you have. Uh, it, it's really important to go back and to see family and to see the people that, that raised you, that helped you become who you are. And it's just good to see them in person, face to face and just catch up and kind of just why you kind of, I gotta be honest, when you go back home from college, you kind of walk around with this mojo. Like I won't lie. Like, there's this type of feeling and this vibe that you walk with. You're like, I'm the man, or I'm the it, or I'm the they. I'm the they, them. I'm the he, she, we, they, them, all it. I am that person. Like, I am the star of the show. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's really fun, to be honest. And the further you, the further you come from, the further away you come from, you, the more star of the show you are. Like, imagine if I was coming from like, Alaska Anchorage or something like that. Like I would be, I'd be the Tim Allen of Wayne County, Michigan. <laughs> It'd be crazy. So it's just, 
it's really fun and it's really nice to see a lot of people and you know see their reactions to you coming into town and like oh how's how's north dakota how's minnesota how are all these different places what's it been like is it cold is it snowing is it windy and the answer to all three of those questions is yes now honestly i have to say i think the world's ending because it is december 1st and it is 50 degrees out in grand forks so that's kind of weird so i think i'm gonna have to like go outside and like make sure that everything's still intact, like make sure the world is still existing and functioning normally and everything's okay. I mean, look, I mean, crazy things have been happening, right? Like, okay, it's 50 degrees in Grand Forks, Michigan beat Ohio State. Like, there's all these weird things. going. I mean, the Niners have a positive record. The Broncos smack the Chargers. The Bengals are a playoff team. Like, all this weird stuff's going on. And also, screw the Broncos beating up on my adopted team of 2021 screw those guys thank you denver not a big fan of you and that stupid orange you should wear uh, it's just i'm just not a fan and also denver's fans are terrible denver has terrible fans and that's no offense to the bronco fan that i know up here bronco denver fans are awful some crazy crazy people my my dad would go on road trips for lions games or not he wouldn't drive they'd fly they'd meet up at a random place he always said unanimously the worst group of fans of all the places he had been was Denver. So, <laughs> Denver fans. <sighs> okay. Moving on from Denver fans. I honestly didn't even plan on doing a Denver fan rant, but, you know, crazy, crazier things have happened. Crazier things will happen. So, whatever I was saying before, I had something about family and being with family and doing family stuff. It's definitely very valuable, and it's fun. I really enjoy going back and seeing family, and seeing friends, and, you know, just, just going back to some of the more simple things, some of the things you forgot about since you've been, since you've been gone, and it's, you know, you go see other people, and their families, and they're glad to see you, and it's like, I'm not even, I'm not even a part of this family, and they're still happy to have me around, happy to have me in town, so it's, it's really nice, it's a fun thing to do, but, so the first, the first kind of story I want to tell was, I initially thought I was going to be leaving North Dakota on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, to go to Michigan. Turns out I could do a Zoom lecture instead of an in-person lecture on Tuesday because the professor obviously anticipated a lot of people being traveling on Tuesday, not being in town, and so he's like, I can set up a Zoom session for the people that aren't going to be in town. Like, for normal circumstances, he'd only set up a Zoom session if there was someone that was sick and tested positive or, you know, just had a genuine excuse to not be in class, but wanted to be in lecture. So this is one of those things where he set it up and I was like, oh man, I can get out of town early. So I find this out the Thursday before I'm supposed to fly out of town. I get on the, I get on the phone with my dad and I'm like, yo, uh, can we, can I switch my flight to Tuesday? Can that happen? Is that possible? And he's like, all right, let me check. And so there's, you know, there's this small fee to pay. And he calls me back and he's like, yeah, I got you on a flight uh, Tuesday morning. So I go, okay, Tuesday morning, eight o'clock out of Fargo. And I'll be in Michigan, whatever, one o'clock Eastern time on, on Tuesday. So it's like, okay, cool. This is actually really nice. I'm going to be able to do this. And then I look and my, I'm supposed to board my connection. So it's Fargo with a connection to Minneapolis and then Minneapolis to Detroit. 
I when I land in Minneapolis, I'm scheduled to board nine minutes before my plane arrives in Minneapolis. So I I, I explain that very bad. So basically, my I'm landed in Minneapolis. I arrive in Minneapolis from Fargo, and my plane to Detroit is boarding nine minutes before my plane in Minneapolis from Fargo lands. So I'm like rushing. I'm like, oh no, well, how's this? How's this gonna work? And then I was like, okay, maybe I could get on standby for an earlier flight with a better layover. And so I look, and there's a 5:40 a.m. flight out of Fargo with a much more bearable connection in Minneapolis, a much more doable connection in Minneapolis, where I will be sprinting halfway across Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport to get to my gate to fly to Detroit. Anyone that's been to been to MSP knows that that airport can get wild, and that's a massive airport. That is a hunk of building and a hunk of airport. So I get on standby, I'm like, okay, I am going to show up to Fargo super early and see if I can get on the flight. And so Grand Forks to Fargo is, it's a one hour drive. It's not, it's not a haul, but it's a drive. It would be like driving to Flint from anywhere in Southeast Michigan. It's like, well, it's about an hour drive, no matter where, where you're at. So I don't know why anyone would voluntarily drive to Flint. I, anyways, so basically it's an hour drive so i'm like do i go to bed because my sleep schedule is like 12 30 1 a.m to like 9 a.m so i'm like is it worth going to bed at 1 1 30 sleeping for about an hour and a half two hours and then waking up and then driving to taking a shower and then driving to fargo and i was like nah i'm just gonna watch tv and play battlefield <laughs> so i didn't go to bed the night before and then 2.30 comes around, and I'm taking a shower, and my stuff's all packed, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go. So I leave my room at about 3.30 in the morning, and I drive down to Fargo, and I mean, it, there is nothing. Grand, between Grand Forks and Fargo and I-29, there is nothing, and it is flat as a coffee table. There is nothing there, and it is pitch black. So, I mean, this is like, this. you remember that? spongebob scene where it's like this isn't just darkness this is advanced darkness like that that is what i was dealing with on the road just driving down to fargo at 4 4 a.m oh boy 3 a.m like that that's what was happening so i'm driving down to fargo and i'm like trying to stay awake and it's like dear lord am i about to die like there's some UFO going to come and snatch me up into space because th this is that part of the country where you feel like some wild, crazy stuff like that could happen. But alas, I make it to Fargo and I wanted to fill up the car with gas, but that didn't happen. And so I just leave the car to freeze with a quarter tank of gas in Fargo. So I pull up to the airport in Fargo and Hector International Airport. Very, very nice facility. So I get into the airport and the security line is crazy. I've never seen it like that before. Everyone's trying to, everyone's trying to snag their Thanksgiving red eye out of Fargo. And it's like, bro, this city sucks. Fargo's stupid. What a stupid place. But I make it through security and I get to my gate and everything's fine. I get on my plane on standby. I fly from Fargo to Minneapolis. Everything's great. I make it to Detroit and I haven't slept. So my, Mom does not know that I'm arriving in Detroit on Tuesday. She thinks I'm getting in on Wednesday. So I'm just sitting there in the house, because she's at work, 
So I'm sitting there in the house, just like, just chilling, doing my thing. So I get up, my dad gives me a ride home from the airport. So I'm just hanging out and like, you know, good to be back in Michigan. I'm, I'm embracing, I'm embracing the Michigan. So it's like, welcome home. I'm just going to chill out and rest and take random little naps on a chair and probably watch TV. And then my mom pulls up and I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's like, there's, who's in my house? Who's in my house? I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, it's me, it's just me. And then so I surprised, I surprised my mother, and it was, it was very nice. It was a very nice moment. She had no idea. She thought I was coming in tomorrow. So, so we caught up, and it was, it was nice. It was just nice to, to be a fun surprise like that. And again, start my quest is the star of Wayne County which is the big most populated county in Michigan. And I was one of the five most popular people in that county for about five days. But anyways, so <laughs> later that day, I have that lecture, that Tuesday lecture that I was talking about earlier. And it's, it's meteorology. And, and I, I like the class. I've had a decent, I've had a fun time in the class. A lot of people are like, yeah, good luck with that class. It's like, I mean, okay. It's not that bad. I'm just showing up and I'm doing the work and I'm getting a B. So like, okay. I, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're one of those psychopaths that I graduated high school with that freaks out and balls crying in the bathroom when they finish with a lower than a 98 on their test, then okay, I guess. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but I mean, I've been having a decent time in that class. I have, I like the professor. The lectures are, the lectures are fine. There's nothing. It's just a standard college lecture but so you know i sit down and i get on zoom and i mean i'm immediately put back into april may of 2020 where this is the room that i did all my online lectures from my senior high school and everything shut down and i'm like it's just a blast from the past and i'm i'm exhausted i still have barely slept at all barely slept a wink probably like an hour and a half since i had gotten into fargo and there's those lectures happening and it's just like man i can't do this i'm trying to stay awake i'm trying to keep focused and then eventually i just i just pass out i just pass out in probably halfway through lecture it was 5 to 6 15 p.m lecture eastern standard time and it was just not happening it was not going to work out today, <laughs> that day. So, I mean, I wake up and it's like 6.45 and I'm still on the Zoom. Thankfully, the thing said the host has canceled the meeting. So, I'm like, oh, thank God. I haven't been sitting here alone in a Zoom session with the professor after class for like 30 minutes. I mean, I don't know. I still, to this moment, I still have no idea how long I was in there after the zoom ended i don't know if he like left it open for questions and i was just sitting there until until he quit the zoom or if as soon as he was done talking he ended the zoom like i said i have no idea what happened to this moment so i still could i still could be the class idiot the class dunce but i i'm just gonna be happy with the fact that i don't know and i think some things are left better that way some things are left better in the unknown the unknown regions so <laughs> That was that was kind of the first. That was kind of how I started off my Thanksgiving with just passing out in the middle of lecture. Um, so the next thing was I, it's literally so on my little note sheet here. It just says uh, it says lions poopy, and I, I don't really know where I was going with that. 
But I think anyone that knows anything about the Lions can understand that, yeah, the Lions poopy. What else you want me to say? More third down run plays, more third down draw plays, more three-man rushes on third and 12, more incompetent quarterback. And someone's going to see that stat line and go, oh, hey, look, five incompletions, no interceptions. Okay. He threw the ball downfield probably like four times. And one of them went for a touchdown. And they completely abandoned it after that. And it's like, okay, cool. I saw the first I saw the first possession. I was like, oh, I'll take a seven-point lead against a team with an incompetent offense. And then, you know, scores seven points for the rest of the game. But I mean it's just uh, it's it's just boring. There's there's so much there's so many more things I want to talk about outside of the Lions. And honestly, I don't even know where I was going with putting lion, Lions poopy on my on my note sheet. So I, Lions poopy, that's it. Lions poopy. They lost to the Bears, and the Bears are poopy, which makes Lions even poopier. And they're o eleven and one, and they might not even be o eleven and one. They could be o ten and one, o twelve and one. I, I seriously, I have no idea what their record is, and I don't care because it's getting hard and harder and harder to keep track of the numbers in in the win column. So, or in the law, <laughs> in the win column, yeah, that number is pretty easy to track. That's a freaking zero. It's a big goose egg. But yes, the numbers in the losing column are becoming harder and harder to track just because they keep piling up quickly. Those L's keep piling up and. The more with each passing game where my new head coach is calling plays, I'm becoming less and less faithful, and I'm less and less confident in his abilities as a head coach. But that that will be a discussion for a different time and different date. I think that's something that I'm going to talk about at the uh, at the end of my all right now at the end of the season. I think that'll be somewhat something where I do where I kind of I want to do a show where I just go through the line season week by week, kind of what happened, why they lost, what could have changed, what could have been different, how do I feel about certain player groups, certain players, coaching staff, members of the coaching staff. So that's kind of, look forward to that, I guess, in five or six weeks, whatever, when the season ends. And I honestly, I don't care. Like, seriously, I do not care what their record is. I don't care what week it is for them. Just when this season finally ends and I'm out of the suffering I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. And so that's that's kind of all I have to say about, about Lions poopy. So lost to the Bears, Lions poopy, another field goal. Bears went down the field, eight and a half minute drive, kicked the 28 yard field goal to end the game. You know, we should, we, I just wish we could have caught a break there at the end, to be honest. I just wish that the Bears kicker would have just, something crazy to happen. He would have just shanked it, just completely shanked it in the dome. But, you know. The winter wonderland wasn't until two days after that, so it wasn't wasn't anything I could do about it. Also, I would I would just like to mention and, and inquire something. Uh, I think I'm cursed. Seriously, I, I think I'm cursed. I think there's something about me that there's a curse. Like like wh- whoever rules everything, that God. It, it. I think that I'm cursed because one, I'm a Lions fan, and the Lions always lose. And I've basically, I just, I, every time I watch the Lions, they do bad. I was not watching the Lions when, uh, what's his name got that touchdown. Unknown, unnamed wide receiver that wouldn't have a spot on any other NFL team. Reynolds, I think. Josh Reynolds, maybe. I think that's the guy that caught the first touchdown. But anyways, so I was, I was listening on the radio. And ever since then, I turned, I went, I showed up at my aunt's house. 
And that's when I started watching the game was right after that touchdown. And they didn't do anything after that. It's like, bro, really? And then, as after I leave Grand Forks, the weather's warmer in Grand Forks than it is in Southeast Michigan. And where I am in Grand Forks is like, I'm pretty, it's like 300, 350 miles north of where I live in Michigan. And it's like, really? It's going to be warmer in Grand Forks for four of the five days that I'm in Michigan? Oh, and we're going to get about five, six inches of snow over the weekend in Michigan before I fly home? Like, seriously? Is, is that what I'm going to have to deal with? So that was fun. I brought the wind and I brought the snow and I brought the cold from North Dakota down to Michigan while North Dakota was enjoying. Well, North Dakota did get their first below zero temperature, but that was in the morning in November, in late November. So it's like, that's just to be expected. But it was warming up. It was warming up in Grand Forks. That was, that was, that was kind of stupid. But yes, Lions poopy. Lions poopy. Moving on from Lions poopy. A night against my will in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And you're thinking, oh my god, did you get kidnapped? Did someone take you? Did, was there like this wild Viking fan that was mad after losing and Kirk Cousins throwing a pick six in the biggest moment of the game? And they just kidnapped you because you had a Lions jersey on? So, no, none of that happened except for Kirk Cousins having a Kirk Cousins moment. There were there was no NFL. There was nothing NFL involved. There was no Lions jersey involved. There were no angry Viking fans involved. Honestly, I, I don't know if Viking fans can get angry at anything outside of their own team. Because, because Viking fans, the only thing that Viking fans hate than their own team, hate more than their own team, is the Packers. But everything else, like... The Vikings don't hate the line. They don't hate the Bears. They don't hate anything. They just hate, <laughs> they hate themselves. Viking fans hate themselves. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's terrifying to watch because like your team is completely average. Yet you hate yourself and your team like you're the team that's 0-11 and 1. Because Lion fans are just in purgatory. And Viking fans are like actually trying to be good and they want their team to be good. But they're just stuck with this mediocre product on the field. It's like, Zamina, buddy. Like, come on now. Feels bad for Viking fans. Shout out to Viking fans. Just I please get better. I hope. Take take some like I don't know, what's a happiness pill or something? Like Viagra, is that a happiness pill? Take some Viagra. Do that. Uh yes. So night against my will and MSP. Okay. It all starts with the airlines. It always starts with the airlines. Always something with the airlines. So again, this was another situation where there was gonna, it was going to be a tight layover. But I was like, you know what? I think I can make it. Everything goes right. I should be able to make my layover to be tight, but I should be able to get into Fargo uh, at night. So it was the last flight out of Detroit to Minneapolis and the last flight out of Minneapolis into Fargo. It was the, the same thing, just backwards. So instead of the first flight out of Fargo, it was the last flight out of Detroit to get to Minneapolis and then to get to Fargo and, you know, connect in Minneapolis. So... It's about, by the time my, the schedule is, uh, you know, everything is on time. Everything's on schedule. If I, when I land in Minneapolis, I'll have about 15, 20 minutes to, before my next plane starts boarding to Fargo. So it's like, okay, this will be close, but hopefully things go all right. Maybe deplaning doesn't take a ton of time and I can, you know, I can sneak my way onto that last flight and then to Fargo at midnight and be back to Grand Forks by one in the morning. In time for my meetings on Monday, my class that I need to go to. So I hop on the plane in Detroit, and there is a mechanical holdup or something, some maintenance holdup. 
it wasn't a delay. We weren't delayed. We were held up. There's, there's a very big difference in aviation. We were not delayed. We were just held up by maintenance failure. So we sat in that gate in Detroit for probably 30 to 40 minutes. Then it got fixed. And then the captain comes over to the PA and goes, we need to de-ice the wings. That's going to take about 20 minutes. So we taxi over to the de-icing place. They de-ice our plane. Then we taxi to the runway. We take off. And then I know at this point that I'm toast. There's no chance. There's no chance I get to Fargo. There's no chance that I make my flight. I'm going to be in Minneapolis, and I don't want to be in Minneapolis, because I want to be in Fargo, and then I want to be in Grand Forks, and I want to be in my dorm, and I want to be sleeping, and I want to be in class the next day, and I want to be learning, and I want to be in my meeting, There's all these different things that I want to be doing. And none of that can happen if I'm stuck in Minneapolis for a night. And so I, I land, I exit the plane, and, you know, they're like, if you miss your connection, talk to the person that's out at the thingy, and they'll help you out. So I exit the plane, and there's the person at the at the booth, and it, I walk up to them, and they're just like, okay, you're supposed to go to Fargo, I give them all the information, they hand me this voucher for a one-night stay at a hotel, and I just need to follow the signs, and go to the shuttle, and take the shuttle to the hotel, and then I catch my flight out of Fargo, and I was, she's like, the first flight out of Fargo is at 11, or out of Minneapolis to Fargo is at 11 a.m., and I'm like, are you kidding me, 11 a.m., I'm gonna miss everything that I had going on Monday morning, so I'm like, well, looks like I don't have much of a choice, and then there was this poor, there was this poor guy that was just like me, that was trying to get, he was trying to get to Duluth, he went to Minnesota, Duluth, he probably honestly looked like he played football for Duluth, so shout out to, shout out to that guy. Shout out to Minnesota Duluth guy. You're a true, you're a true friend at the airport. I hope you made it back to Duluth okay, and you didn't freeze and brainerd or something. But anyways, so, so I get to, I get to the the area where the shuttle was supposed to pick us up, and we're like, we're just sitting there, and I've I've walked through the airport, and I've managed my managed to find myself through the airport. First time ever having to navigate anywhere outside of the main terminal. In, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, except I've only ever connected there. I've never exited there, never entered there. I've always just had to walk around the airport and find my way from, you know, gate H to gate A or whatever, right? I've never had any reason to exit or enter at, at St. Paul. So I find my way out, find my way around, and it's just like, okay, I'm waiting for the shuttle. And people, I pray for we're waiting for different shuttles. And we're, we've like, we've kind of secluded ourselves by, by hotel event. People are just like, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? So there are these different groups. So I'm in, I'm in the comfort in and suites group. And there's these people that are, you know, at Holiday Inn. There was like Intercontinental, which was like this high end hotel. Like that was kind of a hype looking hotel. I won't lie. And so everyone was secluded in the hotel, L hotel groups. And, we just we just waited for the shuttle to come, and everyone else's shuttle was showing up, and then our shuttle showed up pretty much last, and the shuttle literally said Super 8 on it. So I have in the Super 8 shuttle, and we get to Comfort Inn, and we pass like 30 hotels on the way to our Comfort Inn, and boom, we showed up to Comfort Inn, and I canceled the meeting that I was supposed to go to Monday, rescheduled to Friday, missed my class Monday morning, and I got back to Fargo, and it was just like... <sighs> this is this is a struggle. This is a struggle, and so I got I get back to 
Fargo, and I drive back to Grand Forks, and I got back Monday afternoon, so I, later than I wanted to. And then I, you know, in the morning, I did get through MSP, I had to do all the stuff with security, I had to do all these different things, and it was like, man, what a, what a day, what an event. So, I mean, that was, it was just, it was just so... Such a weird thing. Like, I did not want to be staying there, but I did. And honestly, the hotel is okay, but, like, it's kind of a crappy place. Like, there are so many other hotels that we passed that look super nice. And then they just gave me, they just gave me this. And it's like, wow, stupid college student, go to Comfort Inn, peasant. It's like, Zamina. Like, why would you, why would you make me do that? And so I, you know, I just go ahead over to Comfort Suites and I stayed there and I was happy out of bed and a roof over my head. But it was like, man, you could have like sent me to one of those nicer hotels, you know, like where they hand you like fancy soaps and stuff and like body lotions. It's like, come on. I want to smell like tangerines, not, you know, Dayquil. But anyways, so I got, I get my, I got back to, to Grand Fork, safe and sound. Everything is well. Everything is great. So it was, you know, it was a nice Thanksgiving. I was very, I was very happy with how things went. I was very pleased. It was a fun, it was a fun little trip back to Southeast Michigan. I get to go back in a week and a half now, pretty much a week and a half to, for Christmas. And, you know, it should be nice. I was glad I got to see some family. I was glad, glad I got to see some friends and, yeah, it was a real nice Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving itself was nice. It was a nice dinner. No, no craziness happened other than the Lions losing. And, you know, that was just, it was, it was fun. No political debates, no arguments. We were just, we were just all family for that day. It was, it was fun. I had a, I had a nice Thanksgiving overall. But then Saturday is when everything got all screwed up. Because that is when Michigan decided to go poopy on me. And they decided, I mean, in, in a way, they did kind of similar to the Lions, where what I didn't want to happen, happened. And they beat Ohio State. And honestly, there was going to be no good outcome for me for that game. Because I wanted Michigan to lose, because I like when Michigan loses. But also, if Ohio State wins, I knew they wouldn't beat Michigan the way they beat Michigan State. So it would be like... Oh, Michigan fans are like, oh yeah, we, you lost to Ohio State by 49. We lost to them by 26. It's like, yeah, we're better than you. It's like, yeah, okay, you are better than us. Cool. What do you want me to do about it? Yay. We still beat you. You see that one? You see that one next to the 10 and now the 11? Where'd that one come from, huh? Who did that? Who did that? Was it the refs? No, it was us. We did that. We gave you that one next to the 11. We did it. It wasn't anybody else. It was us. We beat you. So, I still I still have to deal with these freaking vultures in Ann Arbor all the time. It's like ugh, so stupid. So they beat it. They beat Ohio State, and then Michigan State beats Penn State. And of course, that game gets invalidated because it was in the snow. And it's like, oh, you only beat an unranked team at your place on senior night by three points. And it's like, yeah, that's ten wins, boss. We've lost one more game than you have all season. We should be. We're on our way to New Year's Six, man. We got the job done. We scored 30 points in the snow. We gave up 27. Yeah, we did. Because <laughs> we have the worst pass defense in the country. We've still won 10 games. I think that's kind of a testament to our coaching staff and Kenneth Walker, at least on the offensive side of the ball, where it's like, yeah, we have the worst secondary and our worst pass defense in all of college football. 130th out of 130 and we still have 10 wins like that was you i don't know how many wins you'd have hey 
Hey, it's not an argument. It's not an argument. I don't want to be controversial. It's not an argument. Go blue. But yeah, it's just. <sighs> Anyways, so Michigan, Michigan beats Ohio State. I have to, I have to be open about this. I have to be, I have to be professional. I have to present, I have to present the facts, as people would say. Present the facts, and the facts are, Michigan beat Ohio State. And now Michigan goes to the Big Ten Championship with a very good chance to make the playoff. I mean, very good chance. If you lose to Iowa, that's going to be a big problem. That's going to be such a bittersweet way to end the season. You do all this stuff to beat Ohio State, and Ohio State's always the end goal. Ohio State is always the end goal for Michigan's season. Michigan's season is made, is made or it's broken almost every year on what happens against Ohio State. And now they beat Ohio State. So now, so now you're like, oh, this is kind of uncharted territory. It, literally, Michigan fans do not know, like, Ind- Indianapolis exists. There is a place in this world called Indianapolis, Indiana. And that is where the Big Ten Championship is played. And Michigan fans are starting to realize, wait, 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 we're here. We're in this place. We're in the championship. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, little guy, you are. You have found your way to Indianapolis. This is, this is the Big Ten Championship. You did it. It's like, it's like an episode of Blue's Clues. You're trying to find all these clues. And, and the clues help you solve the big mystery and get you to where you want to be. Or, or it's like, it's like Door the Explorer where, where the map comes and the map helps you out. And the, and the map helps you find your way. And, and, and Jim Harbaugh and Cade McNamara and David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson are your map. And also Ohio State laying a complete egg and giving and doing these stupid mistakes. That that's, that was your map. And that map has led you to Indianapolis. And that map, hopefully, can lead you to the playoff. Because I think it would be hilarious if you lost to Iowa. I would personally take great humor if you did. But credit where credit is due, you smacked. Ohio State. I I have never, and I'm still young, so someone could probably be like, oh, well, I remember 1981, December, and Ohio State lost by 45 points. Like, okay, cool. Congratulations. That's back when Mattel football existed, and teenagers regularly playing Mattel football instead of Battlefield 2042. Like, get welcome to my, get into my world. Enter, enter this generation. Many. Anyways, I've never, I've never seen something like that happening in Ohio State. I've never seen a team just manhandle it like that. I mean, even in the Oregon game, Oregon was, that game was close. Thought Ohio State could pull back, reel themselves back into the game, find a chance to win. But I, that, that was just never in question. That game was not in question at all. And, and I knew that something was different about this game when, when Michigan was up seven to nothing and Cade McNamara threw the interception in the red zone. And Ohio State came down, they kicked the field goal, they made it seven to three. And I'm like, uh oh, this could be where things go south. This could be where things get sideways. And it, it didn't. And it's spoken to the mental toughness of this Michigan football team. And I've had to hear all this crap about what everyone says about wow, this Michigan team's different. Michigan this, Michigan that, we're different. We are, you know, we're God. We're everything. This is a different team. We can win. We're going to win all these games. This is a team that can make some noise. And it's like, okay. And, and and I hadn't seen it, really, up until that Ohio State game. I mean, seriously, that was unbelievable what Michigan did. And, and I've, I've never seen that. And there are a couple Michigan fans that, that I'm happy for because they do deserve it because they are genuinely good people and they are friends. And it's like, look, congr- like, congratulations. You deserve this. Seriously, you deserve 
to shine in the big moment. And they, and they did. And I'm glad for those people that aren't complete idiots. But it's hard for me because majority are complete idiots. They'll just... The thinking, the logic, and the conversations I've had to have, and seeing what people post, seeing what people don't post, and it's like, man, all this stuff, like, I'm literally, okay, I'm watching the broadcast, and they're putting up quotes from Bo Schembechler, and it's like, seriously? Like, how many Penn State games do you watch? And they show up, they show ten quotes from Joe Paterno. It's like, you don't see that. Only with the University of Michigan do you see crap like this going on. As people are are literally, they are posted. I, I shouldn't say posted up. That's that's improper language. They are standing and protesting in Ann Arbor about what's happened. What's happened with with Doctor Anderson? What's happened? So yeah, yeah. Did I just bring Doctor Anderson into it? You're damn right, I did. Because everything I talk about in Michigan State, I deal with Larry Nasser. With basketball and football, you didn't even touch either of those programs. So you're damn right I brought in Dr. Anderson to this. Screw you guys. But yes. Anyway, I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked. I'm getting sidetracked. I need to I need we need to we need to get back to what we were talking about. Okay. Michigan beats Ohio State and they manhandle them, right? When it's seven to three, I'm like, okay, this could be this could be where things fall apart. And and it didn't. There was there was the toughness. I finally saw the mental toughness and the physical toughness that I had not seen from the Michigan football team in, in, in a, really in a very long time. And I think that speaks to how different that this team is. I do think that this team's different. And and the strength of your team is going to have to be those two pass rushers, Ajabo and Hutchinson, and they can disrupt anything. And it's it was definitely, I, I saw, I've never seen C.J. Stroud really that uncomfortable. I mean, c- compared to what he looked like against Michigan State and what he looked like against Michigan, I mean, my goodness, that is that is unbelievable. And, and Michigan was the better team that day. And they deserved to win. They didn't make the same mistakes that they made against Michigan State that led to their demise. And, and I will say, with that said, I did not like how in the possession after McNamara throws the pick that McCarthy comes in for about three plays that drive. I hated that. I hated that. And it just it destroys the confidence of your starting quarterback, and it's just something I won't stand for. And another thing I won't stand for are these lame brain fans that cheer when McCarthy comes into the game. And that just destroys, that just destroys the confidence of your starting quarterback. And if I was Kate McNamara, I would want to get out. I'd be out of that crap hole. Get me out. These, I've done nothing wrong, even with the interception. I have been a good quarterback i've made good throws when i've been called on to make good throws and after mccarthy fumbles twice and throws away the michigan state game they still cheer for this guy after i throw one pick in the first quarter of the ohio state game when they bring him in on a stupid read option play seriously that's what i have to deal with dude if i was Cade mcnamara i'd be done i'd be out because, oh, I wouldn't be able to deal with any of this crap. And I get that it's Michigan and it's the brand. Like, I mean, but my gosh, I, I could not live with that if I was Cade McNamara. I would try, I, seriously, if I was McNamara, I'd transfer to, to a lower caliber, like ACC or SEC school or, and I would just, I would just light it up and I would, I would buff my stats and I'd get drafted in the fifth round of the NFL draft. Like, I mean, Cade McNamara, like, I, I like, Cade McNamara. I'm serious. I like Cade McNamara as a quarterback, and I I want him to succeed, mainly because Michigan hates him. (laughs) 
like I, I like watching like people that Michigan fans hate succeed. Like it's fun. Like Kenneth Walker, hey Kenneth Walker, hey Kenneth Walker, and he's just he continues to succeed. It's like you know what? That's good. Good for for Kenneth Walker. Let, let more Michigan fans hate him. But I mean, just the way the Michigan fans have been dealing with this whole McKay McNamara issue. It's like. Man, this guy's done good for you guys. Like, McNamara and Peyton Thorne have both done very nice things for their team. But you don't see Michigan State fans starting to unzip themselves when and when Anthony Russo's name gets mentioned. Like, what is, what is going on in Ann Arbor with this whole McNamara fantasy? Like, sure, he could end up being a good quarterback. He could have a high ceiling. He could have a higher ceiling than McNamara. And if that was the case, if McCarthy had always had the higher ceiling or the higher floor, depending on who you are, why was it always McNamara in the game? Why has it been the McNamara show? Just have it be the McCarthy show. And it's just, it's just half, half and half with this quarterback thing. I can't, I can't deal with it. But in the end, in the end, you overcame. You beat Ohio State. And now you got to play Iowa. And, I, I wouldn't write off Iowa. I think you should win the game. I think you're the better team. But the problem with Iowa is, is, is they're like a virus, right? As soon as you, as soon as you dismiss it, as soon as you ignore it, as soon as you act like, oh, this thing isn't real. This thing doesn't exist. That's when it gets you. That's when it bites you. And that's when you're like, uh oh, I'm sick and I'm vomiting and I have a 103 degree fever. Don't, can't overlook Iowa. And I don't think, I don't think the coaching staff will, but the fans that are, that are saying, oh yeah, this is, this is going to be an easy one. Were, were the fans that have already bought their tickets to, to, I think it's the Cotton Bowl, I think. One of the play, I forget what the two playoff bowls are. I'll be completely honest, but the fans have already booked their tickets out to the playoff. I mean, <laughs> easy. Easy now. Relax, relax. You have a great chance to get there. You'll probably get there, but come on now. I, Iowa is a respectable football program. Respectable. And you'll probably beat them. But hey, just, just beat Iowa. That's it. Beat Iowa. And I, you know, I see a friend posted, beat Iowa. So yes, I agree. Beat Iowa. Don't get cocky. I mean, be cocky if you want. You beat Ohio State. But don't, don't forget that you got one more game to play before you punch your ticket to the college football playoff. And as long as you remember that, I think, I think you'll be in good shape. And, and, and I, I will say, I do, I do want Iowa to win that game, but I, I also do want the Big Ten to be, I want the Big Ten to be a force in college football, and I think, I think Michigan has the chance to, to make it, to make Big Ten a force to be reckoned with in college football this season, because, because everyone, it's been Ohio State and it's been everybody else, but I think if somebody else in the Big Ten can come in and make some noise, I think it'll be really good for the conference, and I, I'm, I'm very sad that it's gonna be that stupid, Blue and yellow wearing, ugh, I just, somebody's got to do it for the Big Ten. And you know what? If Michigan does it, then I can just, uh, I can just drink my sorrows away. With high C, with fruit punch, with, with high C fruit punch. Now with, with high C, with high C and with Kool-Aid and with water and with hot chocolate. That's, that's what I'll drink my sorrows away with. But, and, and especially too with, with this playoff. I mean, if, if that, ugh, if that fraudulent team from Cincinnati gets in after beating Tulane by a safety, and and I, I oh, it's as stupid as what it is. It's stupid. It's so stupid that a mid-major could get in like that, or a non-power five, or whatever you want to call them. Whatever, what Cincinnati can get in 
and I want them in because I want them to be an example. And I think I've already mentioned this. I want Cincinnati to be the example why we can never let any of these group of five or mid-major teams in the playoff again, unless it gets expanded. If it gets expanded to a 12-team playoff or an 18-team playoff, then maybe 18 eight-team playoff would still kind of be like, nah, I'm good. I don't really want any of those teams in there because I don't think any team from the American or Conference USA or the Sun Belt or Mountain West, I don't think any of those teams could ever legitimately be a top eight team in the country. Top 12, potentially. I mean, Wake Forest was top 12 for a while. Wake Forest can do it. Anybody can do it. Michigan State did. And Michigan State has 130th overall pass defense in the country, right? So I mean, somebody, somebody can do it. But, I mean, top four teams, nobody should get in that way. I mean, come on. So if Cincinnati gets in, that would benefit me for two reasons. The reason I actually didn't plan on talking about this, but I'll do, I'll do this real fast. I'll move on to bias, which will be the last thing. But think, reason number one for Cincinnati, why I want them in, because they'll get killed. Uh, they'll get absolutely embarrassed by whoever they play, and, and that would make it so that we'd never have to have this stupid, meaningless discussion of mid-major teams getting in. And we wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. I'd be, I'd be so pleased that the example could be set and this and the playoff would just be for the big boys only right and i'd i would that would just benefit me because i wouldn't have to deal with all these stupid college football playoff rankings with the big majors in there and having to be like oh is is cincinnati gonna get in over big 12 champion oklahoma state it's like well oklahoma state's lost a game it's like okay but they're the big 12 champions but they've lost a game well who's cincinnati beating uh nobody you beat notre dame okay it's like, okay, their coach literally just sent a text to the entire team saying, I'm leaving. I'll be in Baton Rouge if you need me. Goodbye. And so it's like, okay, cool. And, and so I just, I do not want to have to deal with any of these conversations about group of five teams getting into the playoff. And, and I swear, if Michigan and Cincinnati get in and they play each other in round one, if Georgia beats Bama, then in Michigan makes Cincinnati look competitive. I'm going to have such a big problem with everything. And, and I like Desmond Ritter as a quarterback, but I mean, I'll just get them out. I never want to deal with a group of five team having to be in the playoff discussion again, unless the conversation is with the context of a 12 team playoff. I never want to have to deal with that again. Reason number two, right? Cause so going back to reason number one, I just, I summarize. So summarizing reason number one, They'll get blown out, and we'll never have to have the conversation of a power group of five team going in again. Reason number two, I would love for Michigan State to no longer be the team that made the playoff that never should have been there, that never had any business being there, because that Alabama team that we played was good, and we got smacked, and we deserve to get smacked. But Michigan State is always the team that made the playoff that had no business being there. But if Cincinnati does it, if Cincinnati goes and they lose by a million to Michigan, to Oklahoma State, to whoever, Georgia, whoever they play, they go and lose 56-7, to like another team that I know did against a really good team that then lost the next week. Anyway, if Cincinnati goes in and they lose by a thousand points, who will be the team that made the playoff that had no business making the playoff? Who's it going to be? Is the first thought going to be Michigan State? Or is it going to be Cincinnati? And if I can get more than 50%, it doesn't have to be all of them, but if I can get more than 50 to 60% of those answers to be Cincinnati, I'll take it. 
Because I'm tired of my team. Everyone saying, oh, you had no business being in the playoff. And I have to take that from fans of other teams whose friend, whose teams haven't even come close to the playoff. And not when those teams is close to the playoff. That would be the University of Michigan. But when I have to deal with like a Purdue fan saying, oh, Michigan State didn't deserve to be in the playoff anyways. It's like, okay, you don't deserve to be in the Big Ten. Get the hell out of Stop talking to me. <laughs> like, go away. Anyways, it's just like, West Lafayette's such a weird place. Although Mackey Arena, what a... What a what a black hole that is. That is a crazy place. Mackey Arena is the only reason Purdue has any business being in the Big Ten. And I don't get why they beat top five teams randomly. I also have a Zenbet against Purdue because of what they did. Anyways, that's enough Purdue talk for today. So that's 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 it for football. Now, on the stupid Tigers that are making me talk baseball in December when I should be talking about football and playoff pictures and college football playoff and championship week. This is the greatest week of college football right now. Seriously, championship week is a great and the Army-Navy game. Okay, first off, those Army-Navy uniforms, if you haven't seen those, look those up. Those are nice. Those are clean. Those, I mean, I like the Army ones, but those Navy uniforms they're going to be wearing for that Army-Navy game, those are slick. Those are slick uniforms. Those are beautiful. Right, but this is this is the greatest week of college football ever. Every season, this is the week that every college football fan dreams of. Even if their team, like mine, isn't playing the conference championship, I mean, this is this is the culmination of every team, the best team from every conference playing head to head against each other. Some for the right to go to the playoffs. Some with the right of spoilers. Some to get to New Year's Six Bowl. Some to prove a point. I mean, this is the greatest week of college football for each season, and I'm stuck here talking baseball! Why? Because the Tigers. Because the Tigers ruined things for me. Because I don't like the Tigers. I do like Tigers. They're my team. But I, I just don't, I don't like that they announced this news right in the middle of my football bonanza. But, okay, let's get into the Tigers. Let's get into baseball. This is where all, you know, 8,000 of you Stop listening because it's baseball. So I said the word baseball. But yes, baseball. You know what rhymes with baseball? Baez. That doesn't rhyme with baseball, but it starts with B-A. Baseball. Baez. Baez. Baseball. Baez the Tigers. Ah, six years and a hundred and whatever million dollars. And, and here's here's what I'm going to say. First off, I, I'm actually I'm not going to talk about the contract because it hasn't even been finalized. Okay, so the details, they're... they're details, they're the broad details, right? There's the years, and there's the amount of money he's going to make. But the finer details that I care about, such as the buyout, such as uh, in such as like a bonus, or in such, there, there are certain things that I don't, I'm going to leave out, because I don't have all the information, and I feel bad talking about things that I don't have all the information on, because it's, it's honestly it's dishonest to me, and that's not, that's not how I like to run my very professional show. So, what I do have all the facts on are the stats for Javier Baez. And so this is going to be, I'm going to try and do this the best that I can because I've got numbers, numbers, I've got numbers. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to lay out some numbers over the years of Javier Baez's career. And, and I'll let you evaluate what, what you think. I'm not, I'll, I'll give somewhat of an opinion, but this is mainly to be, oh, a cop, hello, police car. Oh, he's chasing after it. I'm sorry. I get distracted easily. But, um, yeah, it's like being back home. Anyways. Yeah, there's actually, there's a lot more cops here than, like, I mean, there's probably not more cops, but I hear sirens around here so much more 
them back home. That was because it's a college show. But anyways, I'm sorry. Anything to avoid talking baseball, right? I mean, dear lord. I'm sorry. Okay, back to baseball. So I have I have some numbers here. I've got some statistics over the course of Javier Baez's career. And they're just they're just I wanna lay some of these things out, right? What's trending up for Javier Baez, what's trending down, what's been kind of flatlined and evened out, what's like staying still, and, and I just I wanna lay out these numbers and I'll I'll kinda give my opinion on what I think of the signing, but I also, I just want to lay these things out for the fans of the Tigers or, or baseball fans and say, is this the right move? Is this what they should have done with Carlos Correa still being available? Like, I, it's just, it's something that I want to look at, especially with the payroll that the Tigers have right now, how much money that they, that they're currently paying their players or Miguel Cabrera to be more specific than, and, and it's just, I just want to take a look at some stuff, okay? So just bear, just bear with me on this. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the best that I can. All right, so I'm going to go, I'm going to look at 20, I'm not going to count 2014 to 2015, right? Because that was kind of just, that was the beginning. He hadn't really uh, been fully initiated in the MLB and played a full season. So I'm just going to look at 2016 through 2021. And I'm going to leave out 2020. For obvious reasons, I'll give Baez the benefit of the doubt on 2020. I mean, how I gave myself the benefit of the doubt for 2020, right? Let's just forget that 2020 exists, and then let's let's just move on from that. So, 2016 Javier Baez stats. 2016, he played 142 games, 421 at-bats, 50 runs, 115 hits, 19 doubles, 1 triple, 14 home runs, 59 RBIs, 15 blocks, 108 strikeouts, 273 batting average, 314 on base percentage, 737 OPS, and honestly, my favorite stat that I'm kind of starting to like is WAR. W-A-R, wins above replacement. And that's basically how many team, how many wins does your presence reflect? Like, how if you're there, how many games are you winning for your team? With your presence, how many extra games are you going to win for your team? And I, I like that stat. And I honestly, I I should learn more about how they measure it. But it is a statistic. And it's, I guess it's it's legitimate because it's on ESPN. And all these, I'll, they, my stats have come from two different sources. But I'll get into the second source later. But everything for this part is, this is all ESPN. This is just literally on ESPN's stats page. And it, it's just literally, it's Javier Baez, right? So you can look at all the number. I'm not just throwing out random crap. This is from ESPN. This is, I don't trust ESPN with anything like news related, but I mean, numbers are numbers and stats are stats. So you got it. You got to trust them there. And they've got, they got a lot of people and analysts that work on this. So I do, I do trust my source here. So, and actually, instead of just running through these year by year, I'm actually going to go through one statistic and then I'm going to go through the years. So like games played and see how it's trending at bat, see how it's trending. Right, so I'm not just naming off a bunch of random stuff. So let's let's actually reset this real fast and let's just look let's just look at games played. Okay, so Javier Baez in twenty sixteen he played 142 games. 2017, 145 games, 2018, 160 games, 2019, 138 games, 2021, 138 games. Right? So it's it's it trends up from twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen and then it just drops. Right, just the durability for Javier Baez has not been the same. He's playing less games, and that that's definitely something to look at. And and also, grain of salt here. It's just twenty eighteen. 
was his best year. 2016 is when he, it was kind of his coming out year and was like, hey, look, I'm a good baseball player. Cubs won the first, won, won the World Series for the first time in 800 years. It's like, yay, good job. So Javier Baez really came to the forefront in 2016. He continued to improve. In 2018 was his best year, right? I think he was like runner up for NL MVP, right? He's who's NL player of the year, whatever they give out awards for in baseball. Baseball is such an enigma. Anyways. So, I mean, this is honestly, it's kind of good for me because I, I, I don't normally talk baseball and I can't talk baseball, but I can talk numbers. I can talk numbers because I like numbers. So, I mean, numbers are fun and it's just and statistics. Like I can do stuff like this. This makes, this makes sense to me. My brain's okay to process this stuff. Because sitting and watching baseball for five hours is just like, it's like, what am I doing here? Can I go home, please? Or actually, I, being out at the ballpark is fun, but being at home watching baseball, it's like, come on, I can listen to baseball on the radio while I'm doing stuff. But like, just sitting alone in a TV, in front of a TV by yourself, watching like Tigers Rays on a Tuesday afternoon, it's like, okay, come on, I gotta be doing something better with my son. But anyways, I'm off track again. I'm off track again. Okay. So he went through games played, and games played has been trending down since 2018. So you're going to find in a lot of these statistics, it's, it's like, it's kind of like a bell curve, right? Starts low, goes up, peaks at it, peaks in the middle, and then goes right back down again. And it kind of flatlines out to where it was before. So I think you're going to see that in a lot of these, a lot of these statistics. So you'll see a trend up in 2016 to 2018. And then since 2018, you're going to see a trend downward. And, and the only reason I give 2016 and 2017 stats is because I, I want to see, I want you guys to see where he started and where he's at now. But if, if it was really, if I was really wanting to hate on this Javier Baez deal, I would only give out the stats starting in 2018 because almost every statistic has gone down noticeably for Javier Baez since 2018. But I, I will give extra context because I, I feel like I owe it. To, to my massive audience, say, look, this is the context around what the Tigers have done. So 2016, we're going to go into at-bats now. So we did games played. 2016, 142. 2017, 145. 2018, 160. 2019, 138. 2021, 138. At-bats, 2016, 421. 2017, 469. 2018, 606. 2019, 531. Okay, so again, you see it increases from 2016 to 2018, peaks in 2018, and has been noticeably lower since 2018. Okay, runs 2016, 50, 2017, 75, 2018, 101, 2019, 89, 2021, 80. Right, so 2016 was the lowest value, peaked in 2018, and it's gone back down to 80 in 2021, and 80 is noticeably higher than 50 which is where he started in 2016 in terms of runs. Okay, hits. 2016, 115. 2017, 128. 2018, 176. 2019, 149. 2021, 133. So I think I think you guys see what I'm saying here with, you can see the stats climb from 2016 to 2018, and you see them drop in 2019 and 2021. And I am also I would also like to say for those of you that understand that Javier Baez was on two teams in 2021, I'm averaging both of the numbers or I'm adding them, right? So I'm adding the amount of hits that for 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 stats where it's just a number where it counts runs, at bats, games played, hits, 
doubles, triples, home runs. I'm adding the amount he had when he was in Chicago and the amount he had while he was on the Mets. And for statistics, that's an average, like batting average, on-base percentage, OPS, and war. I'm taking the average of where he was, what he was when he was in New York, and what he was when he was in Chicago. So for something like batting average, it would be, for those of you that don't understand math and how averages work, the value of his batting average in Chicago, value of his batting average in New York, added together, divided by two, and that's his batting average for the season. And that was also something that just showed up in the stats was his batting average over the season. So... And just it was for the more finer things like uh, on OBP on baseball slugging and and WAR. It was things like that where I actually took the average because I didn't have his twenty twenty. It didn't say his twenty twenty one statistics because it was it's such a fine. It's a more fine statistic. It's not a statistic you see in the main group of stats on on ESPN. You just you take the average and and that's how you get things like WAR, OPS, and OBP. OPS was. OPS was there too, but it was it was just o- OBP and more. But anyways, that's just kind of I just want to show how I got the numbers for 2021 because he played on two different teams, so it's, it's the stats are lower for 2021 because this on ESPN.com it's like what he did for for each year, but then it's divided by team. So if he was on two separate teams, his numbers for 2021 are basically sliced in half. So you can take one look at it, it's like oh he had an awful 2021 year. But then you're like, oh, wait, he was on two teams. And you combine everything, and it's like, okay, this is actually, like, normal, relatively fine numbers. And so that's – I just wanted to say that before I continue for 2021 because there might be people thinking, like, oh, my God, this guy is so stupid. He played on two different teams. His stats aren't right. What is he doing? It's like, no, I know he played on two different teams. I'm taking the stats and combining them for the two teams he was on or taking the average of what he was on both teams. So that's – don't – Freak out, right? I kind of know what I'm doing here. So again, for hits, we'll we'll just we'll go back to that real fast. 2016, 115 hits. 2017, 128 hits. 2018, 176. 2019, 149. 2021, 133. All right. So you see increases from 2016 to 17. Increases from 17 to 18. Decreases from 18 to 19. Decrease from 19 to 2021. Okay. Uh, doubles. 2016. I actually, I'm going to do some quick math and I'm just going to combine this, combine doubles and triples, right? So 2016, he had 20, 2017, 26, 2018, 49, 2019, 42, 2021, 20, right? So that one, that is very distinct. That is a very distinct bell curve, right? Starts 2016 starts at 20, increases all the way up to 49 in 2018, and by the time 2021 rolls around, he's already back down to 20. So that was right back where he started. Home runs. This is now this is an interesting one. This is an important one. 2016, 14 home runs. 2017, 23 home runs. 2018, 34 home runs. 2019, I think that's a nine. Yeah, 29 home runs. 2021, 31 home runs. So, he started pretty low in 2016 with 14, increases from 14 to 23 and 17, increases from 23 to 34 in 2018, decreases to 29 and 19, and increases back up to 31 in 2021. So, the power, I will say, the power has remained consistent since 2018, and I think, I think that's definitely something to look at. And I think that's an important thing to take away where there, there are a lot of these other things that have kind of been inconsistent and have fallen back to, to relatively average areas, but the power has stayed. The power in his bat has stayed. 
So we'll move on. We move on from home runs and we go on to RBIs now. So 2016, 59 RBIs. 2017, 75 RBIs. 2018, 111. 2019, 85. 2021, 87. So again, he starts low. He peaks in 2018. And there's another distinct decrease. Now the decrease isn't as crazy because it's still higher than the 2019 and 2021 values are still higher than what they were in 2016 to 2017. But you can see the distinct decrease in productivity and numbers from the 2018 season. Okay, so move on to walks. Walks, 2016, and, th- th- and I. this is the season. This is how many walks he had in the season, right? So I'm actually gonna I'm gonna combine walks and at bats here just just to give you guys a perspective on how many walks he had per at bats in the season, right? So 2016 he had 421 at bats, 15 walks. 2017 469, <laughs> 469 at bats, 30 walks. 2018 606 at bats, 29 walks. 2019, 531 at-bats, 28 walks. 2021, 502 at-bats, 28 walks. So you see the the walks stayed consistent. 2017, 30, 2018, 29, 2019, 28, 2021, 28. So the walks increased and then they flatlined. Right? So that, that's pretty much fine. And, and the, the amount of walks he has isn't necessarily something that like how many walks a player has in a given season isn't like a make or break on that player. It shouldn't be that stupid. But when you look at the amount of walks he has per at bats, it's like, man, this guy, this guy doesn't, this guy doesn't walk. He doesn't, he doesn't get walks. He's either, he's either out or he's on, or he's getting a hit. This guy does not walk. And in the next thing, speaking of outs, strikeouts, and I'll, I'll go back to how many at bats he had and then how many strikeouts he had per, you know, for the season, right? 2016, 421 at-bats, 108 strikeouts. 2017, 144 strikeouts, 469 at-bats and 144 strikeouts. 2018, 167 strikeouts with 606 at-bats. 2019, 156 strikeouts, 531 at-bats. 2021. 502 at-bats, 184 strikeouts. Wow. Highest. That is the highest number of strikeouts for him in his career for a season. Highest number of strikeouts for him. 2016, he struck out 108 times. That's the year the Cubs won the World Series. And when he was a journeyman between Chicago and New York, he struck out 184 times. 2018, his best season statistically, he struck out 167 times. 2021, struck out 184 times. That's 17 more strikeouts with 104 less at-bats. Right? That's crazy. That is nuts. Okay? Batting average. 2016, 273. 2017, 273, 2018, 290, 2019, 281, 2021, 273, right? So he started, started low, 270, well, I won't say low, 273 is above average, above league average, but I mean, this guy's heralded as one of the best players, one of the best available free agents, so I mean, he should be above league average. But anyways, 
273, 273, 290, 281, 273. So it starts, starts well, it increases, and then since 2018 again, you've seen the decrease by, you know, 17 points, 17 point decrease in terms of batting average. So again, you're seeing the trend that I've been talking about. It's just, it's been decreasing since 2018. Okay, and, and also I would like to point out that this highly heralded power hitter, amazing free agent shortstop has never hit above 300 in a season in his entire career. I just want to throw that out there. Anyways, on base percentage, 2016, 314, 2017, 318, 2018, 326, 2019, 316, 2021, 331. Okay, so here's an area where we can look at where you've seen some improvements, right? An improvement over 2018. He started at 314 in 2016. He got up to 326 in 2018. He dropped to 316 in 2019. But since 2019, he's improved back up to 331, which is five points higher than where he was in 2018. His st- statistically his best season of his career. So I think that I think that's something important to look at because on base percentage is definitely offensively a very important statistic. How many times are you on base? How many times are you giving your team a chance to bat you in and give you a run, give your team a run and help you win the game? So I think that's important. I'm not going to include uh, slugging in this just because I'm doing OPS, right? So on base plus slugging. So you can. You, if you really care enough about slugging as an individual statistic, you can just take my o, you can take my OPS and subtract that by on um, base percentage, and that'll give you your slugging. I wasn't gonna waste my time and do OBP, then slugging, and then OPS. It's like it's stupid for me to waste my time like that, right? So OPS 2016 737, OPS 2017 796, OPS 2018 881. 2019, 847, 2021, 830. So, I mean, that is that is above league average, I would say, but it's not in that area where you would say this guy is an elite hitter. Is it good? Yes. But is it where you would say that someone that is, you know, a top prospect, a top free agent prospect should be? I'd say no. I'd say you'd have to be at the, at probably pretty close to the nines, to be honest. And he was that in 2018. And it's tough because I think when, when people are looking at Javier Baez, they're thinking 2018 Javier Baez. But 830 is definitely, an 830 OPS is definitely respectable for 2021. Is it just what you want? Is it what you want when you're signing a guy to a six-year contract? Is it what you want paying him this amount of money? The Tigers have all the money in the world to spend. But is this where you're going to allocate your money to help take your franchise to winning, to help take your franchise up to the next level, to hopefully be competing at least for a pennant. Hopefully, you would think for the next three or four years, because that should that should always be the goal. I would think of any team, it's got to be the goal, right? So, so OPS again, and you see, you see what I've been talking about with with the bell curve, with the increase in 2016 to 2018, and then the drop from 2018 to 2021. Now, the drop isn't that drastic. It's it's 881. In 2018, 847, 2019, 830, and 2021, right? So you see there is still, there is consistency there. It is dropping, but it's not just completely jumping off the cliff. It's been just a steady, slow decline, but not super noticeable, but noticeable enough where you say there is a decline in these statistics. Okay, so WAR, WAR, wins above replacement. How many games 
are you winning for your team solely because of your presence on the field, both offensively and defensively, okay? 2016, WAR, 3.4, 2017, 2.9, 2018, 6.3, 2019, 4.8, 2021, 2.4. Okay, so that's interesting because, hello, 3.4 3.4 in 2016, all the way up to 20 to 2018 at 6.3, and then back down to 2.4 in 2021. So what that tells me is as a team that is trying to win games, trying to win playoff games, win series, win pennants, win championships, Javier Baez throughout since 2018 has impacted winning less and less as time has gone on, and as I've said before, the goal is winning. So why would you be signing a guy that is impacting winning less and less? That's just that's that's that statistics. So that's those are all the main statistics that I uh, wanted to look at that I pulled off of uh, ESPN. And I also want to take a look, just take a look at the league average, right? Give some more context. Is what's the league average? League average for for batting average is two forty four, and uh, Baez the uh, his batting average has been has been well above two forty four throughout the course of his career. The league average for OBP is three seventeen on base percentage, and he has been right around average. And in the years where it's where it's better, where it's higher than what it is for him, he's been he's been above average. He's been at three twenty six. He's been at three twenty one. With the league average being at 317, 326 and 331. Sorry, with the league, the league average being at 317, and then the other one OPS, the league average is 728, and he was he's been well above that. He's been well above the 728 average. So I think, and it's clear that he is an above average player offensively, and he's an above average player defensively. But strictly looking at the offense, how much is he going to impact winning? And that I just can't get over. That war stat, that WAR stat, he's impacting winning less and less with all these other stats. So just something I just can't get my head around because I know he's an above average player, but how valuable is he to the team? And I mean, they, he got ran out of New York and he statistically, his time in New York was his, were his best statistics since 2018. And, and now he's left and now he's in Detroit. So it's like, how, how much is he going to impact winning while he's in town? So, so a couple of other statistics I'm going to look at this. These come from uh, Baseball Reference, and these are these are some uh, strikeout and <laughs> walk statistics, right? So this is uh, this is interesting. So on a team that already struggles with strikeouts in the Tigers, anyone that watches the Tigers has known that there is a strikeout problem here. They're swinging and missing a lot. There's a lot of strikeouts. They're not even giving a chance for for the ball to be hit. It's just it's just a wave and a miss, right? Strikeout percentage for Baez as the years have gone on. 2016, 24%. 2017, 28.4%. 2018, 26%. 2019, 28%. 2021, 32%. And that's if you round down. So, it, again, he's just he's striking out a lot. And I'm just not sure if that's what this team needs. But you can, again, I leave that up to you guys. Is Javier Baez what the Tigers need? Is base on balls percent ball is walk percent. Sorry, walk percentage. That's his walk. How many times often does he walk? 2016, 3.3%. 2018, 3.4%. 2019, 3.8%. 2020, 3.7%. 2021, 
2017, 5.9%, 2018, 4.5%, 2019, 5%, 2021, 5.6%. You can call it 6% if you want to round up because you like Javier Baez. Fine, call it 6%. I'm calling it 5.6% because that's what the stats say. Okay, so career. He's got a 5% walk rate and a 31% strikeout rate. And that's, again, if you're on down for his career. It's more like 32 if you want to round up. Do whatever you want. I'm just saying it's a 31% strikeout rate. If you want to round it up, you can round it up. If you want to round it down, you can round it down. So, I, I don't, I just don't, I just don't necessarily understand, to be honest. They, they want a guy that's going to impact winning. And I just don't. I haven't seen that with Javier Baez since 2018, but if you guys do, then, then I'm glad that you, you got what you wanted. I'm glad that you, you have faith in this team, but I just, I'm just, I'm just not sure about it yet. And maybe, maybe Baez will impact winning more on a Tigers team that doesn't have a lot of other established talent on it, where this is a young Tiger team. So maybe a veteran presence will impact winning more on this Tiger team than it did with teams that were already in relatively okay positions to win, like the Cubs and the Mets. So I I don't know. And the Cubs and Mets weren't great. They were very average teams. The Cubs are Cubs are on the way to a rebuild after the trade deadline and that was kind of crazy what they did. But you know why why did the Tigers do that? Why can't the Tigers be like the Rangers, man? And the Rangers are garbage, but the Rangers the Rangers literally did the equivalent of walking into Walmart and were just like yeah, we'll take everything. We'll buy out the whole store. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Here you go. Here's every free agent. And it's like, okay. Wait, do you want Javier Baez too? And the range is like, nah, give him the Detroit. And Detroit's like, ooh, 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 ooh. We'll take him. We'll take him. We'll take him. But, you know, if you, if you got what you wanted as a Tiger fan, then then that that's good. I'm glad you got what you wanted. Me, I'm not sold. But, I'm not again, I'm not going to write it off. And, and I didn't even, I'm not, if I don't write Jared Goff off, <laughs> Goff off, yeah, he's sure, he's been off, that's for sure. But I didn't write Goff off when they signed him. I didn't necessarily think that he'd be a complete bust. I wanted to give Goff a chance. And I'll give, I'll give Javier Baez a chance to succeed in town. And I, I think there's a chance for it to work out, but I'm, I'm not sold and I'm not convinced. And I don't, I don't want this to turn out as just another bust and then he leaves after, two years or he's good and then he leaves after two years because the rest of the team's terrible and we're just we're just stuck in purgatory again and AJ Hinch can get out of his contract after next season and I just I, I just want I want this to work out I really do and I'm not convinced that it will so the, the last thing I'm going to look at with Javier Baez is I, I took all these statistics and I made a chart what's trending up what's trending down and what's what's both what's flatlined out right so trending up is uh, his his walk percentage, right? He's been he's been getting more walks as of recent, right? Twenty seventeen, he had five point nine. Twenty eighteen, he had four point five, and since twenty eighteen, he's come all the way up to five point six in twenty twenty one, and that's good because the more it's obviously an incredibly low percentage, but at least if you're walking more, you're getting on base more, you're allowing your other hitters on the team to have a chance to bat you in, get your team some runs. And uh, last time I checked, the way you win games in baseball is scoring runs. So that'll help your team out. And then the um, and then again, with to cor- correlate with the uh, walk percentage, the on-base percentage has, has been trending up, and the on-base percentage has 
uh, gone up from 326 to 321 in, in recent years since 2018. And it was 316 in 2019. And since then, it's gone, you know, it's gone up to 331. So that's definitely trending up. And, and that's my problem is on base percent is such an important statistic because not only is that just how many times you're getting on base, that's how often are you giving your team a chance to advance you home, advance you to second base, advance you to third base, right? That's, that's such an important statistic. How often are you at least giving your team a chance to bat you in? And in 331 in 2021 is, is good. That's one third of the times where you're getting up to bat, you're giving whoever comes after you in the rotation a chance to bat you in. I think that's very important. So if there, if there was a stat where I would say, make sure it's trending up, OBP would be one of those stats, and it is trending up, and I think that's good. I think that's good for Baez, and I think that's good for the team that he's signed with, the Tigers. Right? So trending down, strikeout percentage, he's striking out more. 2016, or not, sorry, not 2016, 26% to 28% to 32%, and that's where you say you're not giving your team a chance. You're not giving a chance for something weird to happen out in the field. If you make contact with the ball and maybe errors happen or you're getting on base, right? So if you're striking out more, you're getting on base less, which is not giving your team a chance to bat you and give you runs or not even having a chance for, like I said, for something weird to happen out on the field. Or, you know, if you laser the ball and it just glances off the pitcher's uh, mitt, like, you know, there's just things, there's things that can happen when you at least make contact with the ball to give yourself a chance to get on base and then have a chance to get batted in. And with a strikeout rate that high, with a strikeout rate of almost 33%, almost one-third of the time, one-third of the time you're at the plate, you're getting on base, and then in the other third of the time, you're striking out and you're not even giving yourself a chance or anyone else a chance to get to get on base. And it's like, okay, that's not that's not really something I can get with. So the, the downward trend of the strikeout rate is, is definitely alarming. Uh, the games played and the durability has been trending down. The amount of at-bats has been trending down. That goes along with games played. The amount of runs he's had is trending down. The amount of hits has been trending down. Extra base hits has been trending down. RBI is trending down. Strikeouts trending down. He's striking out more. That goes along with strikeout percentage. The batting average has been trending down. The OPS has been trending down. And the war has been slowing down. So the OBP has been trending up. Yeah, base percentage is trending up. But the OPS is trending down, which what does that mean? That means the slugging is down. The contact is down, which is not good for a guy that you want to make a difference on both ends of the field, offense and defense, right? So it's just it's just something I'm not really sure if I can get behind. And then what's kind of flatlined out is home runs, right? 23, 34, 29, 31. It's flatlined out. It's been good. It's been consistent. And then the walks. The walks have been the same as well. So it's – I just – I just, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced. And I, and I hate kind of being like, being like half-assed about it because I, I want to give an opinion on this, but it's something where I really, you look at statistics and it's like, okay, he can make a difference, but how much of a difference is he going to make as opposed to other people that you could assign? I, I can't, I can't keep looking at this without thinking what Carlos Correa could do in town. I, I really, I just can't can't get that out of my head. I think he could be good. I think he can make a difference. But again, that war stat affecting winning, it's gone down in recent years. And I'm not sure what it'll look like when he comes to Detroit. And I hope it works out. But if this is, if this all, if this is all Detroit does in free agency, then I, I can't get behind it. I think it's got to be this and it's got to be something else. Please, 
Pull the Texas Rangers. Pull the Texas Rangers say, hey, oh, Javier Baez, you want to come into town? Oh, we got another guy that we're going to bring into town. A guy that used to play for our manager when he was cheating in Houston. Yeah, a guy named Carlos. You ever heard of him? Javier would be like, oh, wait, Correa? Carlos Correa? You're bringing him into town? And, and Hayden should be like, yeah, yeah, we're bringing this guy into town too. Yeah, we want to go to the ALCS in two years. Javier Baez be like, oh, man, this is going to prove my plan. Correa's going to make me a better player. Move Javier Baez over to second base. And boom! We got it. We got the infield. We're ready to roll. So, I, again, I I want I want it to work out. I want it to succeed. And I, I if you were to ask me right now, I'd say, I'd say no. I'd say I don't exactly like the signing. But I would also say I'm not going to write it off and I'm going to give it I'm going to give a chance to see how it plays out on the field in the spring, come springtime, right? So, again, if it works out, it works. Great. That's glad. I'm good. Or, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it works out. And I, I hope I hope things do work out. But I'm not I'm not convinced. And, again, I'll leave the numbers. I'll leave it all. I'll leave it all to the baseball fans, all six of you, all six of you baseball fans out there. If, it, if you think it's going to work, then... That's good. And if you're a Tiger fan out there that thinks it's going to work, I'm glad. I'm glad you have that optimism. And I, I honestly, I, I hope you're right. I really do. But, but that's gonna, that's gonna do it. Aside from, aside from Javier Baez and the Tigers and and Lions poopy and and Michigan football just going dodge this, bang, and then you know draw play, draw play, draw play, draw play, draw play, five yards of carry. Asan Haskins five touchdowns. Michigan, dodge this, boom, draw play, Michigan, dodge this, boom, rushing touchdown, Michigan, dodge this, boom, Aiden Hutchinson sack, Michigan, dodge this, bang, Ajabo sack, Michigan, dodge this, bang, pump it up, playing in the student section, and me jumping up and down in my room to pump it up along with the Michigan student section, which almost made me throw up, because I was like... I was in my living room with my dad, like enjoying the Michigan student section and, you know, pump it up. You got to pump it. It's like, dang, that's like kind of hype. So I had fun with that. I had fun with pump it up. And I'm, that song's been seared into my head since, since that football game. But yes, that is, that is all. And do you remember what I said at the start of this? This won't be another hour and a half show. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> See you next week. Woo!